Network presents Football Time. Hey, and welcome to the Football Time Show. We're here for the Week 13 Recap and Reviews. And uh, if you thought it was going to be a boring, bad week, you were correct. It was a pretty boring and bad week. Uh, I I don't think the coaching could have gotten much worse than uh, from what I watched on display. I, I don't know if the Lions... Uh, Minnesota game was possibly the uh, nadar of coaching disgrace. Uh, I'm not sure which one was least productive, uh, but it was an overall uh, pretty ugly week. Uh, what are your takeaways from week 13, Achilles? Uh, well, at least we got a little more clarity as far as who the uh, the guys or the teams to lock down a playoff spot are going to be. Uh, but I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions uh, as we get deeper and deeper into the season. Uh, hopefully, eventually, we'll start to get some more answers. Yeah. Uh, let's kick things off with uh, Buccaneers, Falcons. Uh, this probably went pretty much according to plan. Falcons gained a little bit of yards, hung around, and then, of course, could not do anything towards the end of the fourth quarter. Uh the basically only takeaway from this game is the Buccaneers are shamelessly uh, throwing the ball every time so Tom Grady can bump up his numbers and probably snake a weird MVP award. But uh, anything to take away from this game, really? Uh, you know, Bucks defense, I think, still looks a little shaky, but uh, I, I mean, other than that, offense starting to look a little bit better. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown's situation uh, notwithstanding. What'd you make of this one? You know, as you mentioned, the Bucks just seem to be basically going really past heavy over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I believe they probably combined for about 16, 17 total rushes in that game um, where Tom Brady actually threw for, what, about 300 yards and four touchdowns. So, you know, Brady's looking good. He doesn't seem to be slowing down as uh, as age keeps uh, creeping up on him. He seems to be playing at a pretty high level. Um, you know, but they they look poised to make another good playoff run. Um their their running game really needs to kind of wake up though and i'm kind of assuming that they're probably trying to save that running attack for the playoffs just so they can kind of change up their game plan a little bit but tom brady won the game he's 10 and 0 versus atlanta in his career including the playoffs and uh, i'm sure he'll take it yeah uh, i i didn't have much to take away i, I only peaked at this game for a little bit I, it was one of those where you could sort of tell uh what was going on and it, it didn't have much stuff other than uh, every time I looked over and they were on about the uh, two-yard line, uh, Brady was throwing a two-yard touchdown pass. So, uh, you know, the on the Falcons' side, I think the only thing – I don't understand why the Falcons aren't just trying at this point in time to force the ball more and more to Kyle Pitts. Uh, I mean, you got Russell Gage getting 12 targets – and, uh, you know, being the focal point receiver-wise, you still got, you know, Cordell Patterson getting 13 carries and, uh, you know, uh, five targets, three, you know, catches for 18 yards. It just seems like this would now be the time where you'd want to sort of try to use and figure out uh, going forward how you're going to get the best out of Kyle Pitts. Um, and they just don't seem to be doing that We're going to get to probably uh, another game where I'm going to hammer the usage of how they're treating a rookie uh, down in Jacksonville. But uh, I, I think it's just 
I, I'm a little underwhelmed with how they're developing Kyle Pitts here in Atlanta. Yeah, and I mean, it started off pretty slow as well, where uh, I was kind of wondering where Pitts was going to you know, fit into the scheme of things because they didn't seem to utilize him very much. And then we went on like a two, three-week stretch where he was the number one target, and basically you had to account for the guy wherever he was lining up. As we progressed from there, they seemed to have gone you know, gone away from you know really involving him, making him the focal point of the offense. And it's kind of a shame, as you mentioned, because – Coming into the draft, we all thought he was probably one of the most highly touted players in that draft um, and probably skill wise, one of the most talented ones as well. So it's a little bit of a, of a sh- you know, a shocker the way they've utilized him. But who knows? Maybe they're kind of trying to save him and prevent him from getting hurt, uh, saving him for next season where the games will actually matter, at least in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. So. All right. Any other takeaways from that game or we uh, move on to our next huge uh, embarrassing failure of a football team? Like Tom Brady versus the Falcons every season. Let's just move on. All right. Uh, Speaking of huge embarrassing failures of football teams, the Chicago Bears uh, lost 33-22 to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray made his way back. uh, DeAndre Hopkins made his way back, but really there was no reason to throw because the Bears are uh, just worthless. Uh, pretty much, um, pretty much the same as the Atlanta Falcons Tampa Bay game. Cardinals sort of took a lead, maintained their distance. Thirty-three twenty-two doesn't really do this game justice. Cardinals dominated all the way. They only had to throw fifteen times. Uh, what'd you make of this one, Kyler? back I, I mean it was hard to judge how healthy he really looked because he had to do so little but they did give him 10 carries in this game so uh it looks like he's good to go yeah I, that's exactly what I thought I that was going to be the biggest focal point for me watching this game was whether he looked like the Kyler Murray prior to the injury and I gotta say even though we didn't get to see him throw the ball as much as I would have liked to he looked just about the same as when he get before he got hurt. You know, he still uh, has the ability to obviously, you know, get to the outside and uh, stretch plays out to eventually when the wide receivers get loose. So he still shows all the same abilities that made him a, a threat prior to his injury. So I think that they're going to be good going forward. And I got to tell you, the Cardinals, as much as I've hated on them pretty much all season long, probably the most impressive team in the league. Yeah, uh, you read my mind because that was my next question. Uh, Cardinals now 10-2. and two. I-, I think both you and I have been a little bit slow to hop on this bandwagon and wonder if they're really, really a true contender out of the NFC. But, uh, you know, uh, the way they just took this game and basically just played with the Bears like they were nothing, which they basically are. But uh, I- I'm just curious. Are you moving them into that point where they could – you can see them coming out of the NFC uh, as a, a team that's going to go to the Super Bowl. Are you still a little reluctant there? Um, I, I think I'm just sort of moving that way. I started peeking at odds uh, for the Arizona Cardinals to come out of that NFC. Uh, so I, I guess I say I, I, I've sort of turned into uh, uh, sort of thinking this team can do that. Uh, I'm curious if you're on the same uh, wave here. You know, I got to be honest, like I I mentioned earlier, you know, I I was probably one of the few doubters that was, uh, you know, left talking about uh, the NFL. I I just didn't believe it. I didn't want to believe it. I I thought that there was uh, too much um, 
razzle dazzle going on for them to be, you know, considered a serious threat going forward. But they've obviously proven me wrong. They've played really well on defense and on offense, even with the injuries that they've dealt with. They've done a really good job at, you know, kind of patching those holes up. I think that they have to at least be in the discussions for favorites coming out of the uh, the NFC. But there's still certain teams out there that I think I like a little bit more. And it's not so much because of the talent. It's more because of the experience, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers who've been to the big game before. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, if I had to right now, as much as I would like to build my franchise more around Kyler Murray, I still think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. So there's a lot of things to consider. There's a lot of variables here, but I, I do think that they're definitely in my mind, at least now uh, contenders to come out of the NFC. Yeah, I, I think we got to move them in there. Uh, I probably still put Green Bay uh, ahead of him. I, I'm struggling where to put Tampa Bay because y- you know you trust them in the playoff situation. I, I just wonder if that secondary and that defense is going to be able to slow enough teams down to be able to win games. Like, uh, are they going to be able to stop a Arizona Cardinals, so I, I'd probably throw them right there just underneath the Packers, maybe right next to the Tampa Bay Bucks, and then, you know, sort of a little bit behind is the Rams, and, and we'll see if they can sort of close ground on them as they close out the season here, but uh, yeah, I, I think we got to start looking a little bit more seriously at the Arizona Cardinals, especially with the ease at, at which they're sort of dispersing even these low-level teams, which, you know, we've seen all year. It's not an easy task uh, to do. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're 7-0 and on the road this season, um, and I believe, according to NFL Network, they've actually won each of those matches by at least 10 points. So they're being dominant on the road, which is probably a really good thing. Um, obviously, we know this season home field advantage hasn't meant much, but I think once you get into the playoffs – um, it's a whole different beast. And you're talking about a team that basically has won every game on the road and, you know, by a comfortable margin, um, I think it builds confidence within the team, within the organization uh, that, you know, they basically, no matter what the situation or the venue, they can pretty much take care of business. Yeah. I'm curious also if the, you know, as the weather has turned, uh, you know, you saw it in the Buffalo game, granted uh, the home team did not win that game. Uh, but I'm curious as the weather turns, Maybe if home field picks up a little more, uh, especially with, you know, uh, quote unquote, warm weather teams like Arizona going to, uh, you know, a place like Chicago. Granted, they just went in there and won. But I'm wondering if it'll have more effect in these closing months. I mean, you would think that it would have at least some effect. We've seen it happen, you know, year after year in the playoffs. This is why we were even talking about weather. But you look at the position that they're in right now, even with all the injuries that they suffered, you know, they're basically in first place right now in the NFC and they're poised to be the favorites to win home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So regardless, warm weather, cold weather doesn't matter because you're going to be at home inside the dome. So I think they'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, We'll get to this next game. This was actually uh, an interesting game, then an uninteresting game. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I think this is the one where just, coaching malpractice one of them went crazy uh the chargers ended up blowing this game out uh 41 22 uh but you know they got up to that 24 nothing lead i I think we both were like oh 
Chargers looking good. We knew this was coming, you know. I, I think we talked about it on a Friday show. Uh, it is, and we're all back on the Bengals train. Are we going to get the dud? We got the dud, but we also got some Chargers, uh, you know, spices mixed in there. As I said, they go up 24 nothing, And then, uh, you know, miraculously pretty much blow that whole lead up 24 nothing, basically by doing stupid penalties, stupid unforced turnovers, and uh, just overall bad defense. And, you know, really, I, I think if Burrow hadn't have banged his finger on the helmet, and then, you know, that fortuitous, you know, fumble, Joe Mixon fumbles the ball, the ball, you know, just happens to pop directly up into that defense's back's chest for, you know, uh, the scoop and score, which pretty much re, you know, engages the Chargers lead to blow this thing out. But uh, I'm curious your take on this game. Interesting game, how it played out. But, uh, you know, I, I guess the Chargers get a little bit of an upper hand here as they're both 7-5. and five. Which of these teams... Uh, I, I don't know if I'd say trust because uh, that's hard to have with either of these. Uh, but which of these teams do you feel more confident in? I, I think would be a better question. You know, I think the Bengals, even though over the last six weeks or so have been a little up and down, I still think they've been probably the most consistent throughout the season. Uh, I know that they haven't been playing as well over the last few weeks. They had a couple of feel-good games, you know, previous couple of weeks that kind of got them back on track. But going into this matchup, I didn't anticipate it to go the way it did. You know, I'm not surprised the way it started off because the Chargers have a very potent offense. We've mentioned this several times in the show that they have a lot of really good weapons on offense. So I wasn't shocked by it, but I was surprised. Um, and then I kind of, you know, I don't do a lot of live in-game bets, but I decided to take one on this one. And um, I actually took the Bengals at halftime plus 16, I think. And I thought that the the Chargers were going to do Charger things and basically allow the Bengals to get back into it. And it, at one point, it almost felt like they were. Um, as you mentioned, there was a big turnover, obviously, which completely took – it sucked all the momentum out of the Bengals' uh, you know, sideline. And it went into the uh, Chargers, and that's why they ended up with a blowout win. But, you know, impressive win by the Chargers and the Chargers' defense, uh, specifically. Uh, as you mentioned, Burrow banged up his finger. I don't know if this is going to be a serious thing going forward, but – they're still in contention for a playoff spot. So hopefully it's not too serious uh, and they can get back out there and get right back on track. Yeah. This Charger team is just really, really confusing. You know, the previous couple of weeks, we've been begging for the Chargers to sort of get more explosive downfield. Use Justin Herbert's skill set. Use your receiver's skill set. They opened the game by doing that. And then it seemed like once they got up 24 nothing. They didn't know how to turn it off. So they kept trying to do those deep passes. Herbert kept getting sacks. They didn't sort of know how to close this game. You mentioned that they let the Bengals, you know, pretty much right back in that game. I know by, you know, midway through that third quarter, you had to be feeling confident in that bet because I had the Chargers money line bet, and I started to be like, this is going to be one of those where I'm going to have to sweat it out. And, uh, you know, and uh, pretty much cursing under my breath, as in why are you being a dumbass and always taking the Chargers? You know this is not a lifestyle you want to lead. Uh but then, you know, of course, that fumble happened completely, you know, just flipped uh, how this game was going. I, I just, I don't know what I can trust about the Chargers because at times they look like one of these teams that can play with the other top teams of that we think in the AFC. And, and then, you know, that 
basically the last half of the second quarter, first half of the third quarter. I mean, they can't, they struggle to get a first down. They struggle to get stops. It's just it, it, cheap turnovers, cheap, you know, penalties. It, it's just disgusting. And they look like one of the worst teams, uh, which we've also seen from the Chargers this year. It's just hard to get a read. I think the Bengals are a little more consistent through their play. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. And the defense is solid. I think they struggle, you know, covering deep explosive receivers like the Chargers have. But I feel like they're a little bit, it's hard to say less uh, Jekyll and Hyde. But I think at least you know what you're getting uh, from the Bengals. An okay defense. Weapons on, you know, run game and uh, receiver uh, and, and passing from the Bengals. But, uh, you know, it, it's hard to trust probably really either team, you know, uh, because they are capable of just having dud performances like this. Yeah, but I, I think overall, you know, we still have to give credit where credit is due and the Chargers played a really good game. I, I didn't think they'd play that well. Um, I actually thought that Cincinnati would find a way to come out on top, especially late in that game, which didn't happen, obviously. So kudos to the Chargers for pulling that off. Yeah. Um, last thing on this, I'll ask you, do you think the Chargers could win a playoff game right now? Do you think they could go on the road and win a playoff game? I think they can. I think that, you know, with Eckler in the backfield and, uh, you know, Allen on the outside, and I think they have a good complement of weapons. Jared Cook at, at tight end, you know, Herbert, obviously the, the uh, reigning offensive rookie of the year. I, I think they have enough weapons to win a playoff game. My biggest concern is that defense, which, you know, aside from this last game against the Bengals, they haven't really shown the ability to be able to stop anybody. Uh, it's usually going to be a shootout with them. So, they're so dependent on that office being explosive and productive that, you know, come playoff time when things start slowing down a little bit more, when the run, when the running attack becomes a little more uh, important and controlling the clock becomes that much more important. I think that's when they're going to start to struggle. But as far as talent is concerned, I think they definitely have the talent to be able to win a game in the playoffs, but I just wouldn't trust them to do so. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think the Chargers probably could. I, I'm not quite as confident that the Bengals uh, could win a playoff game. But, uh, you know, uh, right now it looks like both probably are sitting there uh, at least in contention. Uh, you know, uh, Pittsburgh somehow managed to win a game, so they're still in contention. Um, but, uh, you know, really, really interesting in this one. Uh, it, it just, it's always a ride uh, watching this Chargers team. Very uh, very interesting how they uh, manage uh, a game. It, it's not much better uh, than what we got last year. I, I don't know why that is, but uh, it is. All right, uh, we'll go to our next game here. And uh, speaking of coaching mill practice, um, even you uh, sent me a text about the coaching going on in this disturbing uh, game here. Uh, the Lions got a win. I think deservedly so, because they pretty much dominated this. I, I probably shouldn't use the word dominated. Uh, the Vikings decided to uh, not show up for uh, two and a half to three quarters of this game. And the Lions scored enough. And then uh, Dan Campbell, um, I, I don't know what he was doing other than maybe purposely trying to lose the game. Um, 
but they got the win, uh, and I don't know what the Vikings were doing playing soft coverage um, 10 yards deep in the end zone so they could just throw an underneath pass and catch the game winner. But um, we'll get out of the coaching malpractice here and get to that in a second. What did you make of this game? You know, I, I do have to say this was probably a, a very shockingly entertaining game. Um, I was able to watch a good chunk of this one. I was kind of rooting for Jared Goff, but e- even though my money was on the other side of the ball, uh, I was kind of rooting for Jared Goff. You know, it, it feels good to see him actually pull off a win with his new team. Uh, first win of the season, which is really big for them. You could see how excited they were after that game. But yeah, as you mentioned during that game, I sent you a text asking you about the coaching decisions going on, you know, instead of punting, going for it on fourth down so deep in your own, it's almost as, as you mentioned, like they were trying to lose that game on purpose, um, which listen, you know, it happens in the NFL. Obviously we know draft picks become a little more important, especially when your team has nothing to play for, but you know, I'd like to think that Campbell and the Lions were really trying to win this game, even though uh, if you watch the film, it doesn't really look like it. And, you know, surprisingly, Jared Goff did pretty okay considering that he didn't have Swift as uh, his number one weapon. Um, but he seems to be getting the ball out. The fact that he's got Reynolds on that team now, kind of, you know, a little more consistency. Um, and he's had a rapport with him, so that helps out. And Hawkinson, the tight end, obviously, has been one of his favorite targets also. So, you know, really good. They actually pulled off the game. Um, one thing I did want to mention, I've seen a few teams kind of go through this situation, uh, and it's not showing up for the entire game. And it's been an issue for the Vikings uh, a few games now this season uh, and a couple other teams that are surprisingly uh, in the same boat here. But I don't understand. You know, you've got to show up for the game to play for four quarters. And this goes out to all the teams, too, like the 49ers and so many other teams that just can't find a way to close out games. You know, this is why we have these type of outcomes, because I believe that if Minnesota would have showed up and played a full four quarters of football, there's no way the Lions would have won this game. It was way too close. Uh, But you know, fortunately for them, I don't know what Minnesota was doing. I don't know what the game plan was going into this matchup, but, you know, the Lions got the win. Yeah, uh, you said it. Uh, we, we were both sort of keeping an eye on this game, and, you know, Vikings get down, I, I think it was 20-3, to three, you know, somewhere in that category, and you know it's not over because you know the Vikings are going to make a push is exactly what they did, uh, but then they didn't have enough, and then your boy Dan Campbell over there, um, for some unbeknownst reason, um, with, I don't know, two minutes left, decides to go for it on fourth and one up. I, I'm up two points. Uh, I don't know if he knows how many points field goals are worth, but if you do that and you're on your own 28-yard line, you're pretty much asking yourself to lose said game, um, which is exactly what happened, except for um, on the other side is the uh, Minnesota Vikings coach, uh, who, for one, uh, could have just kneeled down on that third down play, pretty much run all the clock out, uh, kicked a field goal, and given the Lions back the ball with about, I don't know, 32 seconds left. But no, he gets the touchdown. And then basically they are in some super prevent defense the whole way down the field. Uh, pretty much let the Lions uh, just dump 10-yard passes down. Six plays later, he's dumping a 10-yard pass uh, for the uh, game winner. Uh, what that coverage was, I don't know. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, this takes the Vikings out of it. Uh, uh, for the Lions, 
I don't know. I guess it's a good win, but <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know it, what it else looked, to say. It looked like prevent our team from winning uh, defense. Uh, yeah. If I remember correctly, that's what it looked like. Uh, it's, I watched the coaches tape on it, and they have that up view. Every one of the Vikings defensive backs on that last play is standing eight yards deep in the end zone. St. Brown runs a six-yard route two yards deep in the end zone, just turns around and catches the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, when they're in the back of the end zone, I mean, why go any further? Just stop there. I don't know. I I don't know. Um, I... Yeah, are we ever going to bet on the Vikings again? Because now even your streak that you brought up that they uh, always beat the Lions is now broken. Yeah, listen, I I mentioned it when when I was talking about that uh, that stat line. I said take make of that what you will. I said, uh, but yeah, listen, like I said, there's not really much to add to this. You know, the Vikings didn't show up the entire game and the Lions did, and they needed it to be able to pull off this win, especially as I mentioned earlier with their main weapon out for the, for this game. So, you know, kudos to the Lions. Congratulations on their first win. I'm happy for Jared Goff. And uh, now we won't have a winless team this season. All right. Uh, we'll move on to our next game. Um, I'm just going to let you do the recap of this one. Colts 31, Texans 0. What do you have for us as far as info on this game? The Texans are really bad, and the Colts are pretty good. Uh, I mean, there's really not much more to say here. It's a complete shutout. Uh, Big game, big win for the Colts, who, uh, with Tennessee being on their bye week, they really needed to pull off a win this week just to kind of inch a little bit closer uh, in the division rankings, which they were able to pull off, and now next week becomes that much more important going forward. But, yeah, there's really not much to add, man. The Colts, you know, they're they're a really good team. They're finding their mojo, finding their groove, um, and, you know, they've got a hell of a running back, and the defense is doing – more than enough of its fair share to pull off wins um, for Houston. You know, they tried, but they just don't have the weapons. They're just not well coached. You know, they're dealing with a lot of turmoil within the, within the organization. So you're going to have games like this and you're going to have games where they just play good ball. And it just didn't happen for him this week. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw, uh, you know, Tyrod go away. Davis Mills come back in. Uh, magically, he wasn't any good either. Um, you know, uh, I, I think this was probably the perfect, you know, style Carson Wentz game. 16, 22, 158 yards, a touch. He keeps the chains moving on third down, uh, but basically you're just milking. Jonathan Taylor, 32 carries, 143 yards, uh, just dominates that game. Uh, you know, you hit Michael Pittman Jr. on a handful of third down plays uh, to keep your offense flowing and going. Uh the only thing I could say is it just makes that, you know, loss last week to Tampa uh, when you had that had control of that game just that much more of a, a really tough loss because, you know, you should be 8-5 and five right now instead of 7-6. and six. You shouldn't be having to fight for your playoff lives, and you're still, you're still in the play having to fight off uh, the Chargers. You're going to have to fight off the Bengals, uh, you know, The Steelers aren't any good, but uh, Mike Tomlin, one of the few good coaches, uh, I think, in this league, uh, somehow manages to drag wins out of that god-awful Steelers team. Uh, So you're going to be fighting. Uh, I probably should throw Cleveland, uh, you know, in that mix as well. Uh, We could probably 
scratch off Las Vegas, but uh, even they're still in the mix here. So, you know, it, it just magnifies so much that game last week versus Tampa where they had a chance to get to eight and five, sort of separate themselves from, you know, that middle tier pack. And with that loss, it, it just puts them at seven, six, and, and they can't really afford slip ups. You, you can't have that bad Carson Wentz game. Uh, you know, you really can't have, you know, too many bad games in there. You're going to just have to be good, uh, you know, for the rest of the season and, and not drop, you know, really maybe any more than one or two more games. Yeah, I mean, I think they've really figured out their identity. I know that we're late in the season, but I think that they're really starting to put it together where they're like, you know what? Our entire offensive philosophy is going to revolve around Taylor. And we're going to need Wentz to not make any mistakes and manage the game properly, which is exactly what he did in this game. And that's why it was such a dominant, because you had a good team with the right type of game plan going up against a bad team with no game plan. So this is why we have this outcome. But as you mentioned, they put themselves in this position. Uh, now they're in a situation where they have to win to, you know, to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, but they have nobody to blame but themselves. Uh, you know, hopefully with this identity that they've set for themselves, uh, they'll get some more wins going forward and we'll have a, a Colts playoff team. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. And uh, if you remember uh, a long time back, uh, our preview show, this was this man's sleeper team. And uh, let me tell you, after watching them the last two weeks. Um, I don't know if I've seen a more just inept offense, but the uh, New York Giants went to the Miami Dolphins, uh, lost 20-9. to nine. Uh, The Dolphins certainly are not an explosive offense, but uh, they seem to be getting more and more efficient on offense. The defense finally, uh, you know, seems to be making those explosive plays that they were last year. Um, 20 to nine, they're now six and seven. I, I forgot to throw the dolphins into the mix here. Uh, you know, one game away from 500 after that terrible start, uh, really starting to get some momentum. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say Tua looks, you know, like a elite quarterback, but he certainly looks much, much more efficient, much more comfortable, uh, you know, 30 of 41, he's leading the league in completion percentage, 244, two touchdowns, you know, Jalen Waddell, uh, really been great for them. Uh, there was even, uh, Devonte Parker, uh, decided to play one of his four games, uh, on the year. Uh, so that's always exciting. Uh, I don't know if we get a two week break, uh, from him showing back up, but, uh, when he does play, he is <laughs> a very good receiver. We just don't get much of it, uh. What do you make of this game? Uh, is there anything uh, on the Giants you enjoy watching? Uh, now, even more so that Mike Glennon now has a concussion, so I don't even know who's playing quarterback uh, this upcoming week. Listen, to be fair, okay, I jumped off that Giants bandwagon pretty early on this season um, after it was evidently clear that they weren't going to do anything. Um, now, I will say, you know, Miami, uh, who started off the season 1-7, and seven, has won five straight and now they're six and seven, you know, and they've put themselves at least and winning in talks. Us money. <laughs> yeah. And, and their defense has stepped up. Um, their offense too has been playing a lot better. Their running game has been proven. You know, they've really found a couple of gems, you know, out wide with some of those wide receivers, as you mentioned, Parker even showed up in this one. Um, I think he finally looked at that record and realized, Hey, we're not one and seven anymore. So he decided to show up and play a couple of games. Um, but listen, the Dolphins, even though they're not a great team, 
they're still a much better team than the Giants are. The Giants are in complete disarray. They've got injuries everywhere. They got guys in and out of the lineup. They've had no consistency pretty much all season long. So I don't think this outcome is too shocking, but I think if you're a Dolphins fan, you have to feel good that they've been able to kind of, you know, rally after, you know, a horrible start to the season and put together, you know, a good five game stretch here uh, where going forward, they still need to win more games, but at least they've set the right type of momentum going forward. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get to 500 and then how it goes from there. Uh, Last thing on the uh, Giants, you know, Saquon, once again, he he just, he doesn't look like the same back. Uh, Do you ever, uh, you know, think we see a, a Saquon Barkley that's, you know, an elite running back that we consider one of the, you know, top three running backs in the league or, I, I mean, it's not all his fault, too. He, he's playing on a terrible team, uh, you know. But I, I'm from what I'm seeing, I don't know if we ever see top three back Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, really ever again. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you basically nailed it on the head. Um, the guy has, you know, all the, the tools uh, to be a great running back. And I think a lot of people expected him to be, but – you're talking about a team with no weapons on the outside. So basically you're going to face, you know, these eight, nine man boxes all the time Um, playing behind a a porous offensive line. This had guys in and out pretty much throughout the the whole season. Um, A quarterback who keeps getting banged up, you know, so they had to bring replacements in, which puts even more pressure on him, a defense that can't really stop anybody. So they can't help control the, the flow of the game. You know, there's just so many different variables that play into his situation Um, not to mention the fact that he's had all these serious injuries. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of running backs being drafted as high as we used to see them. It's because their shelf life, their expectancy is so low, it's so limited. Uh, And with injuries, you know, in the mix, it it just adds to the devaluation of uh, running backs in the NFL. So I I don't think we're going to see it soon unless there's some vast improvements and changes within the organization. But, you know, as far as talent is concerned, he definitely has a talent. I just think he's in a bad situation. Yeah, it's a good thing the Giants didn't go out and uh, spend a lot of free agent dollars on Kenny Galladay to be the weapon on the outside. Uh, that would have been nuts, don't you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, can you imagine what people would be saying if that's, that's what would have happened? I, 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 our end-of-year recap uh, might not be kind to that free agent signing. And there's and there's a few other teams out there too that uh, probably won't get on the uh, on the nice list here as we progress later on in the season. All right, uh, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, I once again broken record. One team who is atrocious, another who's middling in the playoffs, but a, a little added fun uh, thrown into the mix here. Uh, the Eagles, Hertz uh, was hurt. They went to the Minshew era, and uh, stunning enough, uh, you'll be shocked. Gardner Minshew actually is a pretty solid NFL quarterback. Um, I'm looking at you, Carolina, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Chicago. I don't know, a whole list of teams who could use a quarterback, Texans. Um, They decided to pass. He came off the bench 20 of 25, 242, two touchdowns granted. It was the Jets, um, but uh, I, I'm not sure Cam Newton could come in and do that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Gardner looked good. 
Eagles looked good, running the ball, passing the ball. Um, Zach Wilson looked a little better uh, than he has, but uh, overall it's the Jets. But uh, Eagles get another win. Uh, what would you make of this one? Yeah, as you mentioned, we were talking about it pregame, um, the fact that Minshew was going to start in this game. And, you know, we kind of went all in on that on that particular game. We started putting in bets. Uh, we were trusting Uncle Rico to pull off the win in this one, and uh, and that he did. As you mentioned, this is against the Jets, so it's not super surprising, but the fact that he was able to come out and perform the way he did, um, obviously relying on the running game was huge for them. Miles Sanders had a really big game. Um, they utilized him as much as they were supposed to, and, and they controlled the ball. They controlled the clock. Um, the score was really lopsided because of how how well the game plan was executed for the Philadelphia Eagles here. Uh, but, you know, it's not, I don't think there's too much to take away from here. I just think it proves that that offense is pretty friendly uh, as long as they basically stick to their guns, which is, you know, uh, focusing heavily on the running attack. Um, I think that the, the Eagles are in a really good position. They obviously have to win a few more games to consider themselves a threat. But at this point, I, I think that the, at least the stock for that team has to be on the rise. Um, you know, I know that they're not, you know, one of the elite teams, but I think they're trending upwards um, and they're definitely starting to pull themselves slightly away from the middle of the pack, uh, but they still have some work to do there, but this is definitely a good step going forward. Yeah. Uh, would you put Hertz back in or would you go with Minchu more here? As much as I like the way Minchu performed in this one, um, I would definitely stick with Hertz because he adds a different dynamic to that offense. Um, not only do you have to account for, you know, the running back uh, coming out of the backfield, which is obviously very heavy utilizing that offense, but you also have to account for him, you know, in those RPO type plays coming out of the gun, things like that. You know, um, even the pistol formation, we've seen just about everything from this offense. And I think that having a guy that has the ability that hurts has adds an extra dimension. It makes defense a little more wary. Now we've seen teams obviously game plan uh, perfectly against the Eagles, but it hasn't happened as often as I think it would have happened had Minshew been under center. If but he still performed really well. So. Panthers, would you? Oh, listen, we talked about it during the whole, you know, before the trade deadline. We talked about it in the preseason. I don't know. I didn't understand why other teams didn't go after this guy. This guy showed that he had at least the, he the had a 38 gusto to, to 10 turn, touchdown to turnover ratio with the crappy Jags. <laughs> We're about yeah, to get to how, their how, disgraceful offense right now. Exactly. And how's their offense doing? You know, it, it just, it goes to show you that I, there's certain players that are just undervalued in the league. And I understand why it happens. There's just so much going on, but I thought he was one of those guys that was definitely overlooked. And then a lot of teams would be in a much better position had they actually picked him up during Broncos. the offseason or prior to the trade deadline. Yeah. The Broncos. I mean, um, you know, even a team that has a, a solid quarterback uh, like the Raiders, yeah, you know, I think the Raiders would have been in a much better spot. Uh, you know, the even though Washington's been playing really good as of lately, Washington probably would have been in a better spot. Um, it, it's just so many different teams that I think he would have helped them out. Uh, I think he's much better than, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's a much better quarterback than people give him credit for, and he's definitely overlooked uh, quite a few in uh, quite a bit in this league. And um, you know, maybe this is a good resume for him to hopefully uh, hang. You know, kind of attach himself onto a, a starting job with another team next yeah, season. I, I, I hope he finds one. Cause I, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend like he's Aaron Rodgers out there, but 
At the quarterback play we've seen in this league, uh, I mean, there is no reason you can't tell me he can't start for one of those guys. And I, I think, you know, if he's on that Carolina team, they're much more in the playoff mix than they are right now uh, with a Sam Darnold or a Cam Newton or whoever the hell they're going to start this week. This might not be the most popular, uh, you know, uh, quote I'm going to say, I get to quote my quote, um, but Minshew is a top 32 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. That's uh, a fact. So. All right. Uh, we'll get to this game. Uh, 37 to seven Rams win. Uh, you know, I, I left you alone in the first half as it was 16-7 and the offense looked like utter garbage once again. Uh, but they started, you know, uh, putting uh, the pressure on the Jags. Uh, meanwhile, the Jags are uh, disgraceful uh, right now. I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence has thrown a touchdown pass in two months. Um, do you take anything away from this game at all or just uh, when's the next time we play a playoff team and see if we can you know, play well versus somebody who's worthwhile. That's exactly where I'm at right now. Um, I expected this game to be an easy win. I expected a, a large win. Now, this is their largest win since 2018, I believe. Um, but they were going up against a horrible Jack Jacksonville team, um, and they just had no answer for it. You know, I, there's really not much to take away from this game other than the fact that that second half, the Rams looked a lot better. They looked a little more fluid. It seems as if they're transitioning to a more um, aggressive and and, uh, and physical type of offense. They're starting to, you know, st take a step back from the Matthew Stafford slinging it 50 times a game um, and focusing more on a, a more run balanced type of team, which I like going into the playoffs. Um, if they can sneak into the playoffs, they definitely have to have a little more balance and probably be a little run heavier. Um Sony Michelle being the starting running back throws me off a little bit. I still think Henderson's a better running back, but you know, he was efficient enough to pull off the win. But again, this was against Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'd like to see them going up against um, a actual playoff team, which we'll see this upcoming yes. week. Uh, I believe it's Monday night football against I think the Cardinals. So I think that's going to be a, a big game. Obviously you're going up against the, uh, the, the front runners in your division, a divisional rival, and you're in prime time, you know, you only game, uh, on Monday night. So really important game. Um, they got dominated the last time they played each other. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of game plan Sean McVay draws up for this team and whether that defense can do enough to contain Kyler Murray, uh, which if he uh, is playing at the same level as he looked like he was playing at last week will be basically the original Kyler Murray that destroyed us last time. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it. They bossed you that first game. Uh, so we'll see if they can, the Rams could come back and, uh, uh, you know, you, you look at their wins and really, uh, you know, uh, all four losses are versus teams that are going to be in the playoffs that they will probably have to play in the playoffs. Uh, and really that Tampa Bay wins really the only win where you, you sort of look at it and be like, we beat a, you know, a legit level team. So really important game this weekend. You've mentioned, uh, you know, they finally seem to run the ball a little bit more. I, I think we both been, you know, riding on that bandwagon. You know, the Miss Rams team, I, I know they don't have the running backs, uh, you know, that is Todd Gurley circa, you know, 2017. But they need to be able to run the ball. And, and even if it's bad running, you need to be able to run the ball uh, so you can get some of that. So it's not drop back. It's not getting Matthew Stafford 
you know, just pass rush the whole game. Uh, so I thought that was good. Now, you know, whether they have the wherewithal to do it in a game where, you know, they're trailing or they just feel the need to do it, we'll see probably this weekend if they can continue with that play. Uh, I was curious. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen this stat that's come out, but uh, there's this Michigan, you know, stats nerd who uh, has gone over the McVay area. And, and through the first, like, eight weeks of the season, every year the Rams' offense has been number one. And then through those last, like, eight weeks, it drops to 19. Uh, do you think there's anything to that? I, I think there has to be a little bit to it because we've seen it the last couple of years where they always get off to these hot starts. And, and then there's this area here where they just sort of uh, look weak. Do you think that sort of just comes into play here more and more, or you think it's just sort of junky stat that, you know, is aberration-y? Yeah, I don't, I don't really take, I don't really put too much weight on that, on that particular stat. Now, obviously, you know, the guy knows exactly what he's talking about, but, you know, it, it, we see it year in and year out where a team comes out. You, I think about the 49ers with uh, Colin Kaepernick. You know, he was doing things that we hadn't seen in the NFL for quite a few years. So a lot of teams weren't adjusting to it properly. As it progressed, you know, uh, you started watching, seeing a lot of closer games, a lot of closer matchups. Even though the 49ers were super deep during that playoff run, that Super Bowl run, they were super deep. They had players at every single position, both on offense and defense. But they started slowing down as the season progressed because uh, the NFL, you have, you know, some of the best coordinators, some of the best coaching staffs in, in the world, um, regardless of sport. And eventually they catch on to whatever it is you're doing and they start game planning for it. I don't think McVay wanted to open up with that type of offense that we did, but the fact that we lost Cam Akers, you know, to start off the season really put a damper on the type of offense he wanted to run. I think he was really looking to, hold on to that explosive style offense, that big play offense as we got deeper into the season. But obviously he had to change things up due to injuries. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing this drop off now. It's just teams have caught on to what he started the season off doing, uh, which is why you're starting to see that transition now to that more run oriented uh, style of offense. And I think it's just normal in the NFL. I, I don't put too much on it, but yeah. still a good stat. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to talk about the Jags a little bit, not, you know, playing-wise. But, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Trevor Lawrence hasn't basically thrown a touchdown pass in two months. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I, I I don't like to overreact to coaches and think they need to be canned one year. But basically, you've hitched your team to Trevor Lawrence, and he's not getting the development he needs they have to get rid of Urban Meyer because you you have about a two-year window with a young quarterback uh, to learn and develop to be an NFL quarterback. This year's wasted. There's no development going on. There's nothing going on. They aren't doing anything on offense. It's unorganized. It's a mess. I, I mean, the Rams didn't even have to play well in that first half, and they were up 16-7, and there was no doubt that game was over. Uh, they have to get rid of Urban Meyer at the end of this year and try to bring in somebody who can develop this kid uh, because if he can't develop next year, that's a waste. It's probably done because it's not like quarterbacks come into their third year 
and, and are just awful and then all of a sudden become great. And it, it's really weird because this isn't one of those where, you know, it, it's a shot in the dark. Maybe he becomes good. You know, maybe he doesn't, you know, Trey Lance. This was the best quarterback in high school football in a long time. He was the best quarterback in college football in a long time. I mean, his like player draft rating is up there with a Manning and a Luck. It's not one of those that misses. And if they don't help this kid, it's going to be one of the biggest misses of all time and just a, a complete waste of talent, really. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, it's really hard for players, especially at the quarterback position, to bloom uh, in their third season. It, it doesn't happen very often now. You know, I'm kind of old school in the way I, I like my teams run. And I, I thought that it would have been a much better option for them to keep him in the keep him on the bench for the first season um, and just have him kind of learning behind, you know, maybe not a veteran, but at least a guy with some experience. Yeah, exactly. You know, it would have been the perfect situation. You put Minshew out there, who's obviously shown the ability to win some games and, and play football, at least at, at a decent level, if not a high level. Um, you know, you would have had him on the bench learning, learning the game plan, learning the game book, you know, learning all the plays, schemes, all these things. And I think that the Jaguars themselves would have been in a much better position. I think the record would have been better right now. Um, I think his development would have been further along. But obviously, and, and I don't blame him for my, I understand when you draft a guy number one overall, you're going to have to put him out there eventually. I just think it, they did a little bit of a disservice to him to rush him out so quickly when they really had nothing else to throw on the field other than just him. Um, and now they are where they are because of that. And obviously, Coach Meyer has been a huge distraction this season. We know everything that happened with the bar situation, him not traveling with the team. I just think he he there was way too much attention on him as opposed to the team, whereas in, it should have been the other way around. The attention should have been on the team and the development of these players, not on the coach. The coach should always be the last person you talk about um, when mentioning a football team. So I, I think he's got to go. I, I, I'm not a fan of firing a coach after one season, but I think in this situation, I definitely, uh, you know, would, would – go against myself and, and, and get rid of Coach Myers. Yeah. Uh, I know you aren't a big college football guy, but are you surprised at, at how bad uh, this Jaguars thing has looked under Meyer? I, I mean, it just looks it, it looks disorganized. It, it doesn't look unified. It, I mean, it basically doesn't look like they know what they're doing out there. And, you know, I, I get it. But I'm a little stunned that it's this bad under Urban Meyer, who basically has been successful everywhere he's gone in college, starting at Bowling Green, going to Utah, going to Florida. Now, you know, it burns out quick. Uh, but all those teams were organized and had plans and knew exactly what they're doing. And this is just a straight-up mess. Yeah, I think it's much different, you know, when you when you talk about a situation where – Guys choose to play there for either financial reasons or uh, because of weather, because of location. Um, there's just so many different aspects to the NFL. It's not like college ball where they can show their pedigree and be like, oh, this guy's going to come to me. This guy's going to come to me. He wants to come for the pedigree and what I can do for him. You know, in the NFL, it's not so much what you can do for these guys because these guys get paid millions of dollars. You know, they're going to go to wherever makes more financial sense for them. And not all of them but 99% of these players. 
And, and I don't think that the Jacksonville market with coach Urban Meyer, you know, coming straight from college, I don't think it's very impactful to players' decisions as far as where they want to play next. And again, this is going to hurt the development of their young quarterback, not having the weapons that he needs to be able to thrive. Uh, you know, and I'm not shocked that their season has turned out so bad. I didn't expect them to have a complete turnaround in season one, but I did think that they would be in a much better position than they are now. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, I, I'm really stunned. It's it's this bad, bad. All right, uh, Washington football team, Las Vegas Raiders, 17-15. Uh, Washington kicks a uh, you know, game-winning field goal here. Um, this is probably the most Ron Rivera team there is. Uh, they aren't really impressive on offense. Um, the defense has been better, but I, I wouldn't say I, I'm blown away by the defense. But they're 6-6. Six and six. They're right back in the playoff mix here. Um, won a handful of games here in a row. Uh, you know, Raiders uh, looked okay, uh, but nothing like they looked on that Thursday night. I, I think they had a little peak here and uh, sort of back to what we've seen, you know, the previous three weeks with them. Uh, what do you make of this Washington football team here? What did you make of this game? I think for the Washington football team, it's very impressive how they've, you know, kind of tallied on a few wins here. Heineken's playing pretty well, um, all things considered, with the situation that they're in, you know, the vision that they're in, the opponents they face, the weapons that they have available to them. I think he's done an outstanding job leading that team to a few victories here and there. Now, this victory didn't come as much of a shock. I, I We both pretty much thought that Washington would win this game. We did think it would be close because both of these teams are pretty much on the same level as far as talent goes. Um, to me, the biggest thing was that the Raiders have been dealing with a lot of on off the field distractions this season. And that's probably the reason why the team didn't perform as well, but you know, overall it's hard for me to really put too much emphasis on this game. This was, you know, two pretty bad teams. Uh, one that's playing at least good football right now. And the other one that's going through a bunch of issues and it showed on the field. Um, I think Washington, at least it's doing a good job as far as, you know, being able to, keep up uh, with their victories, regardless of the injuries that they had to their defense, where they lost their two best players. Uh, they're doing a pretty good job. And I think that they deserve a little bit of credit. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, I, I don't know how long uh, Heineke's going to be an NFL level quarterback, but right now, uh, I mean, he's playing good football. Uh, so, you know, does it last three years? Does it last one year? I, I don't know, but uh, you know, uh, players seem to respond to him on this team. He seems to be able to move the ball enough to get them wins. Uh, the defense has drastically improved uh, from what it was at the start of the season. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if this Washington team here uh, can sneak in the playoffs. I, I should mention also, uh, you know, uh, not, you know, uh, Antonio Gibson was dealing with a, a shin injury earlier in the season. Uh, he looks much, much better uh, now, and, and they're able to run the ball, which has probably also helped their offense. We shouldn't just say it's all Heineke. I think Gibson being healthy and being able to sort of be that bell cow in the running game has also helped him too. Definitely so. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Steelers uh, with a big win here, 2019. Um you know, I, I was watching this game and I was thinking, if I blindly uh, just showed you 
uh, blank uniforms, just the Steelers playing football, and ask you to guess what their record would be on the NFL season. Um, I, I think it would lean closer uh, to the Lions <laughs> than the 6-5-1 and one that the Steelers are. But uh, they find ways to win game, um, you know, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about bad coaches in the league. Uh, how Mike Tomlin is getting wins with this football team is uh, utterly amazing and ridiculous. Um, but I-, I will say Ben looked uh, almost like an NFL quarterback this week. Uh, Ravens, um, you know, uh, not great again. But uh, that being said, both their corners got hurt in this game. Marlon Humphrey is, you know, out for the year. Um, this is just turning into uh, just a, a mash unit for the Ravens. I, I don't know <laughs> if they're going to be able to overcome it. I, I think they have enough to sort of get into the playoffs. Uh, this one sort of came down to that two-point conversion at the end. I'll ask you about that first. Would you have gone for it, uh, you know, knowing that they basically were out of cornerbacks at that point? Would you have gone for the two, or would you have just played for overtime? You know, I think that every situation is different. Um, in this particular situation, which I normally would say no, uh, I'm very traditional in the way that I like the game to run. In this situation, I think I would have simply as because, as you mentioned, the corners were out. You know, you're very thin at the corner position, which, you know, at least builds a little bit of confidence that you're going to be able to, to complete something to someone out there. Um, eventually, someone's going to get loose. And I think that, you know, the, the, the way the game was playing out, it definitely seemed – um, to warrant the decision to go for it. So I, I don't put too much on that, but I will say that this game was a lot closer than I anticipated. I thought the Ravens were slightly better, uh, but I thought they would be able to come out on top in this one. And what it really came down to, in my opinion, was the mistakes by the quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson made mistakes. Big Ben didn't. Uh, you know, both teams showed up and played tough. Both, you know, it was a typical Raven Steelers game. They both played really tough football, which is obviously one of my favorite things to do to watch is a Steelers Ravens game. Cause you know, it's going to be physical. That's exactly what it was. Both quarterbacks seemed to be under duress pretty much for most of the game. Uh, they had to make quick decisions, get rid of the ball quickly. Um, even the running attack wasn't as efficient as we're used to seeing over the last couple of weeks from both teams. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that both these teams are really physical. They know each other very well. And it, what it really came down to, like I said, was the mistakes by the quarterbacks. Um, you had Big Ben who didn't make any mistakes, and then you had uh, Jackson who made a mistake, and it came back and it cost them. And that's the reason why they lost that football game. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think there's enough of a buffer, and, and I should say, you know, coaching wise, John Harbaugh, you know, up there as well. Uh, so I, I think the Ravens probably still work their way in the playoffs, but it's it's just getting thin on the defensive side of the ball, and then on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they had to give Devontae Freeman 14 carries, and he was their leading guy in targets. I mean, Devontae Freeman cannot be your bell cow uh, on offense. And I, I think some of these turnovers that are coming from Lamar, it's just coming from pressing. That that interception that you mentioned was just a pressing type thing. He, he felt he needed to make a play. He had to make a play, and he forced a ball, uh, you know, off his back foot, lobbing it up into the end zone, hoping it got, you know, completed. He got picked off, and I, I think we saw a little bit of that last week as well. 
Uh, they managed to win that game, which I, I think they'll just manage to win enough. But I, I don't know if right now I, I can put these Ravens in that, you know, like legit Super Bowl contender category in the AFC. I, I'm curious if you think they can be a legit Super Bowl contender right now, especially now Listen, with Marlon Humphrey out for the year. Listen, I, I've mentioned it several times throughout the season. This Ravens team is beatable. As good as they've looked, as many wins as they've tallied, this Ravens team is beatable. It's honestly uh, we saw them amazing almost that lose. they're eight and four. Yeah, it definitely is because there's so many games that could have gone either way. You know, a lucky bounce here and there, and you're talking about a completely different record here. Um, and then we're talking about them fighting to get into the playoffs, not, you know, they're basically a shoe-in more than likely. Um, and I think it just speaks highly to the the needs of this team. And it goes back to the, the offseason when we were talking about the Ravens. They're in desperate need of running backs. And, and they're really like one really good, solid running back away from being a really dangerous team. Uh, when Lamar Jackson, your quarterback, is basically leading your team in rushing yards, it's not a good sign. Uh, you know, you can win some games like that, but that's not, that's not going to be the most efficient way to win games. It's not going to be the safest way to win games. So, I mean, hopefully for them, their running game wakes up as uh, we get closer and closer to the end of the season. But if it doesn't, I don't see how this team uh, is going to contend for a Super Bowl spot. I, I know that they're probably going to get into the playoffs and they'll probably win the playoff game. But as far as going all the way goes, you know, can they go all the way without a good running back? I don't think they can. Yeah, I, I, I just, I think they get in there. But uh, honestly, like, uh, I know they beat the Chargers earlier in the year, but I, I think, you know, if, if somebody like the Chargers gets served up Baltimore, uh, you know, that's just asking to be upset in that first round. Let's flip things over to Pittsburgh. Uh, six, five, and one. They're still right there to be in playoff contention. Uh, they've gotten a handful of their defensive guys back. I thought the defense looked, you know, more like it did earlier in the season uh, than what it looked like, you know, in that middle part of the season. They close out the year, Minnesota, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cleveland, Baltimore. Do you think this Pittsburgh team has enough uh, to work their way into the playoffs? You know, normally I would say no. Um even as impressive as they as they played last season for the entire season, um, the record was really impressive, and they still couldn't make it really you know really far in the playoffs. This team is not as impressive record wise, but they're still in the hunt, and I think it bodes well for that team that they had got a really good defense, and they've definitely found their rushing attack. But Big Ben to me just doesn't have what it takes to lead them to victory anymore. Uh, you know, it takes him playing a perfect game for them to pull off a victory at this point. And, and I think that's going to be their, down, their downfall in the playoffs if they can get in there. But, you know, crazier things have happened. And this this Steelers team is very well coached. I think Mike Tomlin is probably one of the top coaches in the league. Uh, so when you have a coach that's that good and you have a veteran at quarterback and, you know, at least a good defense with a solid running attack, I think I'm going to give you a shot, but I just – don't like the uh, the chances there. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious just to see if Tomlin can drag this team, you know, into the playoffs here. It, it'll be interesting uh, to look at. Uh, let's go to our next game out into your NFC West. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks uh, got themselves a win over the, uh, well, the 49ers who went into Seattle. Um, 
I, I watched a lot of this game because, as you know, I, I had a lot of money on the Seahawks. Happy uh, for the result, um, but this was kind of an ugly game. Uh, 30-23, not to uh, say anything. Russ, I, I will say, looked a little bit better. Um, but overall, I, I thought the Niners were once again not very good defensively or offensively. Um, Seattle just made a handful of plays in that really that third quarter that gave them the lead and they didn't give it back. But uh, what'd you make of this game? Again, as I mentioned earlier, this is one of those situations where uh, one team shows up for a part of the game and, and then completely disappears. The 49ers, if you just look at the tape on that first quarter, you would assume that this is going to be an easy blowout win for them, especially, uh, you know, the way that the Seahawks have been playing as of late, which was pretty bad. I think that if I showed you that first quarter between the Niners and Seahawks, you would assume that the Niners would have rolled to an easy victory here, uh, which wasn't the case. They completely disappeared in that second half, uh, and you could see it coming in that second quarter as yeah. well. Um, Russell Wilson, you can't give him you can't give him a shot because you give this guy a shot, he's going to make magic happen. You know, this is the kind of guy that'll make lemon out of uh, make lemonade out of lemons. So, uh, I you know, impressive win for the Seahawks. You know, it keeps him at least in contention, but I think. This is more than anything disappointing for the 49ers and their fan base. Um, you know, you were in prime position to get yourself in a good spot for a wild card, you know, uh, playoff spot. And you come out against a struggling Seahawks team and put up this type of performance. I think this speaks more about the 49ers organization than it does about the Seahawks. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. Um, you know, they gave up that bad, you know, punt return uh, to get themselves down 7 nothing and give up free points there. Then they built a 17-7 lead, but uh, they really dominated that game in, in the first half, but uh, they didn't pull away enough, and I was like, maybe the Seahawks can work their way into it. Uh, you know, the Seahawks found their way back into the game, and then that second half, uh, San Francisco was uh, basically uh, non-existent. It's really interesting, you know, what made me push Seattle on that Sunday was just Debo Samuel being uh, ruled out. And it, it's just amazing that basically he's their offense because, you know, they he seems to be their best running back when they put him in that backfield situation. He seems to be their best receiver. Uh, once again, I don't understand why they barely use Brandon Ayuk in this game without Debo Samuel in there. Uh, you know, they traded up two years ago to get Brandon Ayuk, and then he's just, uh, you know, uh, basically an afterthought in, in the game plan uh, this season, though he was so good last season. I don't understand that. I, I don't understand basically anything the Niners are doing, but uh, really bad second half for the Niners. Um, you know, they're still 6-6. Six and six. They got a shot because occasionally, uh, you know, they pop up and play well, uh, especially when they get a lead. Uh, but they didn't look great in this game. Um, Seahawks four and eight. I don't think there's much of a shot here, but uh, I guess you can't totally rule them out. But I thought not this week's game, but last week's game uh, sort of was the death knell for the Seahawks. Uh, any shot you think Seahawks working their way back up to a? I, I mean, they have no margin of error. Uh, you know, but uh, any chance they work their way back? Well, listen, as you mentioned, they're not mathematically eliminated at this point, but 
they have so many things that they have to go right for them. It's not just about them now. It's also about what other teams yeah. are doing. Um, and when you get into that type of situation where it's not just you controlling your destiny, but it's also what the other teams are going to do. I think it's time to start closing the door on the potential, uh, you know, uh, of them making a playoff spot. I, I think it's, they fell too far behind in, you know, during the season, they had too many issues with injuries and, uh, you know, they may, they might have rushed Russell Wilson back maybe a little too early. Um, cause I think he probably would have been further along had they rested him a little bit longer and they probably would have been in a better situation, but I'm not going to count uh, Russell Wilson out of anything, but mathematic, cause mathematically speaking, he's not out of it, but just based off what I've seen from them, you know, this wasn't the Seahawks really winning the game. This was the 49ers losing it. So uh, I, I think they're going to be done. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, but uh, I, I will say at least Russ looked a little better. I wouldn't say great, but he looked a little better in this one. Uh, Adrian Peterson did not, though. So, uh, I could do without the announcers when Adrian does his one-yard touchdown run. He still got it. Uh, because he doesn't have it. it just, it, it's very Jerome Bettis and the tail end of the Steelers run there where they just put him in for one yard touchdown run. He no longer has it. Uh, he is capable of running the ball for one yard, though. I will say that. It doesn't take much to fall forward three feet. No, it doesn't. Uh, but we'll go to this next. All due respect. Yes. <laughs> With all due respect. He used to fall forward. 25 feet. It's now just uh, three feet. <laughs> All right. Uh, next game up, uh, Sunday night football. Um, this is not the Chiefs we're used to, but uh, it's the Chiefs winning a lot of football games. And uh, don't look now, but they're about a game out of being the top team in the AFC. Uh, 22-9. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, did not look great in this game. Uh, the defense looked pretty good. Uh, the Broncos did not look great. Uh, they did run the ball at least a little bit with Javante Williams. Uh, why they decided to not run more with Javante Williams, who was averaging five yards a carry and decided to throw it more with Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know, but I've been asking those questions all season long about the Denver Broncos. Uh, question here, probably about the Chiefs. What do you make of this Chiefs team? I, I will say, uh, in futures betting, I've started to look back at the Kansas City Chiefs when in this AFC side of things. It, it's not pretty, uh, but they put themselves, by playing not great football but finding ways to win games, into uh, the mix here. And if they can end up with the best overall record in the AFC, it, it's going to be pretty interesting uh, on that side of things. You know, it wasn't the prettiest of wins, uh, especially when you're talking about this Kansas City Chiefs team, which we're used to seeing, you know, uh, highlight plays from this team. It hasn't been so much this season. They've definitely been on a bit of a rut. Um, and you talk about, you know, according to NFL.com, uh, this is the 12th straight win versus Denver um, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've had the, the Denver Broncos' number. Uh, but when you look at this victory, not super impressive. And I think it speaks highly uh, to how the, the the regression we've seen, uh, the regression we've seen from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. They're beatable. They're they're definitely beatable. They they're not playing nowhere near as good as we're used to seeing from them. Defensively, they've tightened up a lot, 
but offensively, I think it's the biggest, the biggest uh, question mark for that team now is that they're not performing the way we're used to seeing from them. You know, we're used to seeing uh, Patrick uh, being able to spread that field uh, wide enough that it didn't really matter who was in the backfield. They were going to, you know, have good games regardless because how open, uh, you know, that box was because you're not, you're accounting for, for Mahomes being able to, you know, scramble out and, and throw the ball deep to either Kelsey or Tyreek. So there's always that in the back of the, you know, the defense's mind is you gotta, you gotta keep that secondary active, uh, which opens things up for them. But the running game just hasn't been there this season. Uh, and it's really hurt this team. They're not putting up the type of points. Patrick looks human. Um, he looks beatable. Normally I wouldn't bet against this guy regardless of what he was going up against. But I think right now the way they're playing football, to me, they're maybe a one-win playoff team, but I just can't see them. I'm not going to count them out, but I can't see them going all the way, not the way that they're currently built. I think that they've fallen off, even though they've gotten better as the season has gone on, they've definitely fallen on from what we are used to seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, uh, definitely so. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're winning games. Uh, once again, uh, it probably should be our theme. Good football coaches win football games no matter what their team is doing. Uh, and, you know, Andy Reid uh, finds a way to win football games. The offense isn't sparkling right now, but uh, they've shored up that defense and, you know, they've found their way. Uh, Broncos now 6-6. Six and six. Uh, I mean, I watch this team and they are a bad football team, but once again, they're sitting right there in that playoff mix. Um, can they make a run to get in here? Uh, it, it's just, it's hard to judge because I look at them and I'm like, this team is awful. Yeah, you know, the problem with the Broncos is that they're too good to be considered a front runner for one of the top prospects in the draft. And they're too bad to be considered a contender for a playoff spot. You know, they're just, it, they're stuck in that, in that weird, you know, twilight zone of mediocrity, which unfortunately for them is probably going to hurt them in the long run, uh, both with draft prospects and uh, with seating for, uh, you know, whatever it is, they probably will make the playoffs, but if they did. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll go to the last game of the week, Monday night football. It was cold. It was windy. In Buffalo. And uh, Bill Belichick is a, a genius. And the Patriots come away with a 14-10 win here. They threw three passes in the game. And Buffalo didn't know how to adjust. Uh, <laughs> they threw the ball 30 times a game. They decided to randomly kick a field goal down four with six minutes left. Going into the wind that was blowing 40 miles an hour. Guess what? The wind pushed it wide. I, I know it's a stunning development, but uh, anyway, uh, I, I think this is going to be our last coaching conversation here. But uh, despite what your boy Sean McDermott came on post-press conference and don't say uh, give this win to Bill Belichick, I'm giving this win to Bill Belichick. He can go to hell because he didn't adjust one bit and uh, basically just let the Patriots boss this whole game and did not adjust. So what'd you make of this game here? Man, this was like, you know, the NFL circa 1935 or whatever before they invented the forward pass, which I don't know the exact uh, year that was actually uh, implemented into the game, but 
Um, according to NFL.com, this is the fewest pass attempts in a win by any team since uh, week three of 1974. So it's been quite some time since we've seen something like this. But as you mentioned, Bill Belichick, man, listen, a lot of people want to say that Tom Brady was the reason behind his success. But listen, you there's a reason why that team was so deadly for such a long time because you combined uh, the great mind and IQ uh, in football of Tom Brady, along with the great mind in coaching schemes of uh, Bill Belichick. And it was a deadly combination. Now, obviously Bill Belichick has had, you know, a few issues here and there this season, but I think overall, this is probably one of the most surprising, uh, you know, teams of the year. And he's got his team poised, uh, you know, to in that top spot right now in the AFC. So he's doing a great job. Um, as you mentioned, Sean McDermott came out in the press conference and said what he said, but this is definitely a Bill Belichick when you got to give him the win. He put together the right game plan. He knew what he was facing and he knew how to beat it. So kudos to Bill Belichick. He, uh, he pulled that one off. Yeah. I, I can't say enough about Belichick in this game and, and the brilliance and genius of this is, you know, he sat there and knew that he didn't have to win this game. If he just ran the ball, did not turn the ball over the Bills could not help themselves, and they would win the game for the Patriots, uh, which is exactly what they did. The Bills won the game for the Patriots. They turned the ball over on that fumble. They got that one big run uh, where the safety took a bad angle. Uh, they got the two-point conversion there. Uh, two field goals going to the other side where the wind was not blowing, mind you, uh, and played this game perfectly. And, you know, the Bills... Did not. And once again, this is another one of those Bills games where they just weren't there. Uh, they didn't play offense very well, which is understandable, gathering the wind conditions. I didn't think the defense was bad, but at what point does a team run the ball basically 40 straight times? And uh, you don't make an adjustment to that. You just let them run the ball down your throat uh, for five yards at a time. Um <laughs> He had one pass attempt at the first half, in the first half, didn't he? He had one pass attempt in the first half. He did not have any until the, basically the last drive in the uh, second half uh, when they threw the ball once, got behind the chains, and had to throw it again. Uh, legitimately, so I, I don't... they would have thrown the ball one time in this game if uh, they could have. I mean, listen, you, you, you're going up against you know a team who's in first place. They're above you. And the wind conditions are obviously as bad as they were. And whatever, you know, let's just scratch off that first half. You go into the locker room and that, you know, after the end of the first half and you're, you know, you're looking at the, at the way the game is playing out and the opposing team has tried one pass attempt. Why wouldn't you adjust at halftime? I could understand maybe you came in with your game plan and you're trying to implement it, you know, at halftime, though, why didn't you make the adjustments? I, I It boggles my mind. I, I just don't understand it. I, I think this was definitely a blunder on his side. But, I, again, kudos to the Patriots. They pulled it off. They had the right game plan. Yeah, you mentioned it, and I, I think it came out in that press conference. It was just arrogance. Like, I don't need to change my game plan uh, to suit what your game plan is. Our defense can stop you. Uh, I mean, it, it really didn't. I, I will say it gave up 14 points, but it didn't have the ball uh, basically the whole game. Uh, so, you know, uh, to that, uh, you just got beat 14, 10 Buffalo, uh, now is behind the eight ball 
in that division. They still have one more game to play. Uh, now they're looking at a wild card in this playoff thing, and at 7-5, and five, uh, you aren't even guaranteed that uh, with all those teams in and around you. Uh, and, you know, that being said, if you're going to struggle with weather, uh, you probably shouldn't be playing your home games in Buffalo because I hate to break it to you, it's not going to improve as it gets later and later into the winter. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you took the thought right out of my head. Yeah, probably the last place you want to be coaching uh, if weather's becoming an issue for you. Yeah, uh, so really brilliant game uh, by Belichick. Patriots 9-4. and four. Um, Are they in your Super Bowl contender list uh, yet, or are you still sort of in that uh, let's wait and see where we go here? I, I think defensively definitely on that level. I, I'm still a little curious what the offense will be in playoff football yeah well listen as you mentioned it you know um defensively i think that the patriots are, if, if we were just focusing on the defense i think that they're definitely super bowl contender especially uh where they're currently sitting at they're poised to you know take that number one spot so uh, i think you know you got to take weather into account and all that the elements um and the way this defense plans and plays you know in those situations i think they have to be a contender at that point but then you flip it over to the offensive side of the ball and i think that's where you start to hit the pause button a little bit um you know you we saw that he only attempted uh, the quarterback for the pages only attempted three pass attempts in this game and they were able to pull off the win but there's going to be a situation at some point where you're going to have to throw the ball even in bad conditions and I don't know if the coaching staff trusts him enough to do so. Now he's definitely been playing really good this season. And I think he's probably in a lot of people's list for the top offensive rookie of the year, but there's something to be said about uh, when you only attempt three passes. again, it hasn't happened since the seventies. Uh, so it's been a while since we've seen anything like this um, definitely hasn't happened in my lifetime, but I think there's gotta be something at least in the back of your head that says, why didn't they attempt at least five pass attempts? And now they didn't have to, but you know, it's something that's at least in the back of your head. Maybe during practice, he just showed he can't make these throws in these type of conditions. I don't know, but defensively, I trust them. Offensively, I still don't know. It's a lot like the Cardinal situation in the NFC. Uh, really good team. Uh, there's just other teams with a little more experience that I like better. So I'd put the Patriots just behind them. Yeah, definitely so. All right, uh, that's our recap for Week 13. Let's get into our best and worst of the week. What do you got on the uh, best side of things for offensive? Let's see, for best of the week on offense, I'm going with a guy that probably won't be here again. And even though there are several players that deserve it more, I'm going with quarterback Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions. Although the numbers aren't spectacular, he led his team to his first win of the season without his best weapon in Swift. He threw for just under 300 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick as his Lions beat the divisional opponents, the Minnesota Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, uh, I'm going with my boy Gardner Minshew. Comes in there uh, at a efficient 20 at 25 for 232 and two touchdowns, uh, you know, really uh, making all these teams who uh, need a quarterback right now and would be in better positions in this season, uh, wondering why they didn't give up a seventh-round draft pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars to get said quarterback instead of throwing around first-round picks. Oh, to say the Jets for Sam Darnold. Um, so there's that. Uh, so Gardner Minshew on the offensive side of things. How about you on the defensive side of things? 
Again, while other defenses had better performances, I think that one of the most surprising performances of week 13 was the LA Chargers. Uh, they bothered the Bengals all day as they tallied six sacks in that game, which is the most for the Chargers in the game since 2016. Yeah, uh, I'm going into that Steelers. Uh, they got a lot of their guys back. Uh, Steelers side of the ball, but certainly T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt came back, really made an impact on there, getting pressure on Lamar Jackson that whole game. Uh, I'll be really curious if Pittsburgh can sort of grind their way to more wins like this now that their defense, you know, is sort of back uh, together whole here. You know, Minka's back. Uh TJ Watts back, handful of their other guys is back. Do we get back to that lockdown Pittsburgh defense? And then their offense can sort of, you know, uh, hit and miss uh, as it has pretty much all year long. Uh, that might be c- being kind. Uh, miss <laughs> uh, probably should be the true statement. But TJ Watt and the Pittsburgh Steelers are on my defensive side of things. How about on the coaching side of things for best of the week? For best of the week, uh, and coaching Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. If I told you at the beginning of the year that the Pats would be atop of the AFC heading into the final few weeks of the season, you would think I was crazy. But that's exactly what Bill has done. He's led his Patriots to the number one spot as of this week, and he has him poised to win that top spot uh, and and win home advantage throughout the playoffs. Um, I think it's no small feat. Uh, especially with the type of situation that the Patriots organization was in prior to this season. So Bill Belichick, uh, coach of the coach of the week. Yeah, I'm going with you. I'm going Bill Belichick, coach of the week as well. Uh, great game plan. Uh, just watch the Buffalo Bills and you a uh, division victory, the division lead, and the best record in the AFC. Uh, so brilliant move by Bill Belichick. Best of the week, Bill Belichick for me. Let's go on the worst side of things. How about on the offensive side for you? For worst of the week on offense, I'm going with the Bills rushing attack. In a super important matchup, the Bills rushing attack was MIA. Even though they combined for about 100 yards, they failed their quarterback in terms of controlling the ball. Now they're two games back at the Patriots with only a few weeks remaining, and things are starting to get tight. Yeah, uh, that's a good call. We probably should have touched on that a little bit, uh, you know, more. based on, you know, the Bills not being able to run the ball, you know, once again overall. You know, uh, for me, we we could look at a lot of Giants sort of things, and I, I'll go Vikings. Yes, uh, you know, their players once again put up stats, which they always do, uh, but they were down basically 20-3 to three to the Lions. Nowhere uh, anything going on. Uh, you can only do so much with numbers. Uh, really, Kirk Cousins would be my just worst of the week. It's his leadership. I, I think that you, you just see they're just they're just not fun to watch. I don't think they're fun to play with together. And uh, I'm going Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings on the offensive side of things for worst of the week. That's a good call. All right. How about on the defensive side of things? Where are we going on worst of the week? Uh, for worst of the week on defense. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers defense. In another upset loss, the favorite 49ers failed to beat the rival Seahawks, who had been struggling as of late. And now they made it tougher on themselves to earn a ticket to the postseason. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they showed up for only a portion of that game. So worst of the week, defense, 49ers. 
Yeah, uh, you read my mind here. Uh, 49ers on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, anyone who's watched the uh, Seattle Seahawks play offense the last uh, four weeks have uh, them scoring 30 is a minor miracle. Yes, uh, seven of that uh, came from a uh, fake uh, punt. A couple of those came off uh, bad Garoppolo, you know, turnovers. But nonetheless, uh you have to be the one locking down uh, the Seahawks uh, team, uh, which hadn't been able to move the ball at all. Uh, that Monday night football game versus Washington, uh, basically they did nothing for, you know, the whole game until that last drive. Uh, so you are me on the same wavelength here, 49ers. Where are you going on worst coach? Uh, for worst of the week on the coaching side of the ball, I had Coach Campbell of the Lions pencil in the spot after a questionable call to not punt. Uh, but they won the game, so instead the honor goes to Bills head coach Sean McDermott. In a very important game, he was outcoached uh, by, in my opinion, coach of the year candidate Bill Belichick. McDermott apparently forgot that sometimes you have to game plan for the elements. Uh, he Simply he was outcoached, and that's why he's here. So um, McDermott, worst of the week. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. We're on the same wavelength here. I, I probably would have gone with the uh, 20 other candidates probably 25 other candidates uh this week but then in that press conference where he was trying not to give bill belichick credit pretty much put it over the top uh when you just get shown up like that and then you can't even just nod your cap and be like he outsmarted me uh that sort of pees me off a little bit and it really peed me off on this one uh you got shown who was the better coach and uh you know it it It'll be interesting to see this game replayed in two weeks, how that plays out, uh, because Buffalo's in a in an interesting spot here now uh, where they aren't uh, the AFC leaders. They're now at 7-5 and five fighting for their, you know, playoff lives here. So it'll be interesting to see. So you and me both on the same wavelength here, Sean McDermott. Be sure to hit us back on Friday as we go over our picks and best bets for the week. It'll be a fun week 14. More action. We'll be back with our College Bowl pickup sometime next week. You won't want to miss that with the Dynamite, David. Uh, our last college football probably podcast of the year. It's been a fun season. It'll be an interesting playoff. Don't want to miss our bowl pick'em. Achilles, where can we find you? As always, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles. All right. That's our show, and we're out.